The Echelon Radio Network presents the Tax Matters Radio Podcast. A conversation about money for everyone. With your host, Gary Weiss. Once again, it's time for the Seekers of Truth, Justice, and the Echelon Way for another exciting and jam-packed session of the Echelon Tax Matters Specialty Group podcast. Today, I will be your envoy as we explore the topsy-turvy world of the Echelon Toontown. FYI, I am Gary, also known as Gary Weiss, CPA, but you should know that if you listen to the great bumper music provided by our own empresario Brian Hemsworth at the board. Thank you, Brian, for that. Today's guest is David R. Schneider with DRS Law. David, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Gary. Great. We're looking forward to this. This should be interesting. So you have some unique talents, I understand, and some good stories. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got started, where you're from, and bring us to where we are today. Well, uh, let's see. I was uh, pretty well uh, raised entirely in the city of Thousand Oaks. I've lived there since I was about 10 years old. I've seen that town grow from about 36,000 people to 136,000 people. Went to school there, met my wife there, raised my family there. All my daughters went to school there. Um, Where'd you go to high school? I went to the Thousand Oaks High School, home of the Lancers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Way back, you know, a long time ago. (laughs) And um, my wife went to school in town as well, and... uh, That's where I started my professional career, also in in town. Uh, Many, many moons ago, I tried a number of different things. I tried uh, uh, my hand at the restaurant business, did that for a little while, Uh, eventually migrated over to working with my father, who was a 41-year State Farm insurance agent, in fact, thought I was going to do that uh, for my life's career. And in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I saw that uh, the industry was changing. It wasn't going to be my father's Cadillac anymore. So I decided I got to do something else. And I uh, put myself through law school, night school, until I graduated in 98, took the bar in 99. And here I sit before you today. Very, sounds like there's some great stories brewing there. So let's start with the restaurant. I'm curious, where, what kind of restaurant business were you in? It was a pizza restaurant, nice. uh, pizza delivery, um, very much like the existing fast food chains today. A couple of friends of mine worked in that business and were to be awarded a franchise with the major player in town and then subsequently could not for whatever reason, get their franchise, decided to go in on their own, and then reached out to me for my business acumen to come and help them run the business. So uh, it was a pizza delivery in Westlake. It is no longer there. But uh, it's like, quite frankly, getting an MBA in business on your feet. Nice. So what's your favorite pizza? Well, I'm a very uh, traditionalist guy. Uh, Pepperoni and extra cheese is my go Nice. My go-to. But you had, you made all... Did you get to make the pizzas? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did it all. Very yeah. nice. I could toss the dough, spin it around, put on the show. If there, Anytime that somebody actually came into the kitchen, because it was mostly delivery, anytime anybody came in, all of a sudden, a dozen items are in the air at any given moment, from um, the dough to the pizza cutter, taking the peel to move the pizzas around. It becomes a, a show. 
So I can do all those things, although it's been a little bit. Well, it's, it's okay, but you're, it sounds like you were getting ready for law school by entertaining uh, the, uh, the customers for their pizzas. Well, the main thing about, about the lead for law school is the ego you develop for being on show. Yeah. It takes a certain egomaniac to also get through law school as well. Yeah, that's true. All right, so and then you, then you moved on to insurance. Yeah, yeah, dramatic shift. Um, my father had always been about, you know, trying to get me to come into the business. Uh, at this time, I am now married and uh, with uh, one child on the way. And I decide, hey, I, I've got to get out of this. Um, I'm, I'm killing myself in the restaurant, working 120 hours a week, uh, making no money. And so uh, I went to work with him and um, had a very enjoyable run. I was never certain how that would work out, working with my father. It turned out to be a terrific experience for me. Um, and uh, it really brought us very, very close, much closer than we were before. So I, I'm very happy I had that experience, even though I didn't end up staying with insurance. So you got any great stories from your father that you can tell us about? Well, my dad was very traditional. He wasn't um, overly dynamic in business. So some of the best stories just involve me helping him sort of break out of his shell to, to try to take business in, in a broader, broader sense, if you will. And, um, but I, you know, he, he, uh, he was a terrific pal to, to be with, and, you know, e even to go, let's go have lunch and, and just hang out. And, um, of course he, the one thing I, I perhaps disappointed him with, he was an avid golfer and I am a horrible golfer. No, this I understand. I have the same yeah. affliction. I like to see a lot of green area when I play. Right. I like to get my money's worth. I make sure that cart comes back almost dead. So, uh, you know, but as far as uh, uh, dynamic personalities, we couldn't be more apart. <laughs> That's okay, but you still, you got along with your dad, you bonded with your dad, doesn't get any better than that. All right, so you've gone from the restaurant business. Now you're in insurance. So what drove you to law school? Well, as I was progressing in my insurance business, I went back to school, completed out my undergrad, and then got two advanced degrees through the American College as a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant. Through those, I was exposed to the areas of estate planning and using insurance for methods other than, hey, we got to pay the widow if something happens. So with that, and as well as being married, having a mortgage, having a kid, there's only a few things that you can do to earn the kind of dough you need you know, to be responsible. And so when I looked at the handful of things that I was equipped to do, law school just seemed like the great fit for me. I enjoy the, the challenge. I enjoy the um, competition. And it was a natural fit for me. So you did this at night while you were working? Yeah, I worked uh, Monday through Friday from 9 to 5, and then I found a law school, the San Fernando Valley College of Law, which at the time was the University of Laverne College of Law. They had a full-time campus here in the Warner Center, and I would drive into the valley, get there about 6, eat my lunch, go to class at 6.30, get out at 9.30. The law library was downstairs. I would stay in the library till they kicked me out while I was prepping my briefs for the next day. And I just did that Monday through Friday. Saturday, went back to the law library from 9 to 6, studied, 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 and 
Sunday I was home. Nice. And what was the what was your favorite law topic in law school? Well, funny enough, I really enjoyed the criminal law classes. They're the most interesting. You get the most uh, juicy facts in the case. And in one of my crim law classes, I had a rather famous uh, professor. His name was Barry Levin. And he was uh, the uh, lead counsel, defense counsel, in the Rampart cases, the LAPD, uh, Sergeant Ortiz Rampart cases. He also was second chair on the second Menendez trial. So when he would come to class, we would always get a 15-minute update on what was going on in his world. Fascinating. So it was really, really interesting. I ran into him later um, in court on wholly unrelated matters, saw him in the hallway. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Great. I'm glad you're here. I need you to make an appearance for me. Barry, I've never done anything in criminal law. Oh, it's okay. Just get in there and uh, tell the judge I need more time. And, you know, and then he almost started to try to recruit me into the world of criminal law. Had to go home, talk to my wife about that a little bit. Yeah, she probably wasn't real thrilled with criminal law. Nah, she didn't like that part. I liked the part about getting paid, but yeah, um, that's true. Do you ever? Yeah. So, do you ever watch that Netflix series, The uh, Lincoln Lawyer? No, I actually do not watch any lawyer television or God. movies. All right, so tell us now you're in law. So tell us a little bit. You know, we're going to come back to you. I want to get back to your hobbies, but first we're going to talk about what you do as a lawyer. Tell the listeners what kind of law you practice. You know, what's what you really enjoy doing. Well, I am an estate planning attorney, which means I help families do their wills, their trusts, plan for the future, the what ifs. We all know that everybody's going to pass away, but what if you don't? What if you were to become incapacitated? What if these events occur unexpectedly sooner in life when your children, your heirs are minors, they're immature? So I help people plan out that future to take all that worry off the off the charts, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then for those families that I don't help, I find myself in probate court, helping the families that didn't create a plan. Presently, I'm appearing in eight different courts on multiple matters up and down the state, from Mendocino County down to San Diego County. So uh, that keeps me pretty busy right now. Yeah, as a CPA, I... When I talk to my clients and they come in and I see their financial position, I constantly recommend getting a trust. And one of the things I tell them is this is the reason why you should have a trust. And everybody goes, well, it's always to avoid probate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of it. So can you tell our listeners the real reasons why a trust is so important for more than just avoiding probate? Well, to begin with... um not everybody is going to simply grow old and die. One in three people aged 68 or older in this country will have a significant period of incapacity before the end of the game. So when we can set the trust up in advance, we've got a steady management team, people that you have focused on, people that you have picked to take control over those assets to act in your best interest. Number two is the children. When are we going to give these assets to the children? I, I often say, you know, you, most people have learned that there are two constants in life, and I'm sure you've said this many times as a CPA, death and taxes. Well, in reality, there's three. Death, taxes, and 18-year-olds do not make good decisions. 
you simply cannot give your 18-year-old son a million dollars in cash, little little check tucked into his birthday card. We have to put a plan in place. And frankly, just age alone doesn't create maturity. Maturity comes from both age and experience. So many times in the trust, we're going to spread out when these people receive their money, what the money can be used for while it's being held back. So that's another exceptionally important point. Three is the ability to eliminate the infighting. Every single day, my phone rings with a family that can't get along. This uh, Tuesday, just this last Tuesday, I received a call. Dad died on Saturday. The two sisters are demanding to be paid out now. He died three days, four, four days earlier. And the family was already fighting about the money. Yeah, I always say that death brings out either the best in people or the absolute worst. And most of the time, it just brings out the absolute worst. And that's where a trust really makes a difference. So let's talk about a couple other aspects about trust that, as a CPA, I run into problems with. One, co-trustees. You know, I'm, you know I have a, my good client that... The mother said, I'm going to set my two daughters up at trustees. I know both the daughters, neither of them got along. And somehow the mother thought that, well, once she died, they're going to come together. Of course, that didn't happen, and they went to war with each other. So can you talk a little bit about you know, co-trustees, who should be a trustee, and what is a trustee? Well, you've really, you know, dealing with the co-trustees, you really nailed it right on the head, Gary, that parents have a very false sense of how well that their children are going to get along. I have found when the referee is not on the field, that's when the teams tend to really fight. And um, I recommend against co-trustees almost in every instance. First of all, they got to act together. Second of all, it's simply impractical in today's world, given our transient society and where we tend to live and move. But overall, a trustee's job is to manage the assets of the trust estate in the best interest of the beneficiaries. And there are some people that are going to have a difficult time separating, hey, I'm acting in the best interest of everybody or this will benefit me. So that's another concern. Ideally, when I'm helping clients select who they're going to pick as their successor trustees, I ask them to focus on who has the best head on their shoulders, who is you know going to be Uh, not intimidated or daunted by having to work with the CPA, work with the trust attorney? How are they going to be able to interact with other professionals and financial institutions? Look at the people that are around you. Who has your back? Come hell or high water, you know this person's going to watch out for you because, again, you might not die. You could have become incapacitated, and they're working for you and not for them and their siblings. So those are some of the key things I focus on. All right. So one of the other parts of trust that are real important that people ask me about or are curious are things like uh, conservatorships, power of attorneys, uh, you know, like the durable power of attorney for health care. Uh, I tell them these are all important parts of, you know, how you're going to administer the trust given, you know, different life situations that come along. So can you just briefly touch on that? Well, you have you, you never use just a trust by itself. You're going to develop an overall estate plan. And the goal here is to take a look at all possible aspects. If you title an asset into the name of the trust, 
the trust controls it. But there will be some assets you do not title in the name of the trust. For an example, IRAs, 401ks, where our federal government does not allow us to title those assets in the name of the trust. Now we're going to have to have a power of attorney. If you have a 401k and you've designated your wife as the beneficiary, that's great. But that's only going to work if you pass away. If you become incapacitated, we need somebody to be able to step up and take control, and that's not the beneficiary. So we use a power of attorney and designate an agent to do that work. Similarly, if um, you have a car, most people will not title their cars in the name of their trust, unless, of course, they have very expensive cars. Most people do not live in Ferrari town. So how can we sell the car when you pass away? Can the trustee do that? No. Car wasn't titled to the trust. Who's on title? Well, in this example, it's just Gary. Gary can sell the car. Well, but if Gary's dead, he's going to have a little bit of a difficult time with that. So we utilize what's called a pour-over will, and we designate an executor that takes on that task. Now, the trust, the successor trustee, the executor of the will, the agent under the durable power of attorney, these are one and the same persons. But he is going to use different tools. As similar as a mechanic might use a hammer and a screwdriver and a wrench, this person needs to use the trust, the will, and the power of attorney. Healthcare, of course, a whole different uh, animal unto itself. We again use an agent, but now our agent is going to be focused on making healthcare decisions, yeah. life decisions. So one of the things is that uh, what's the difference between a will and a trust? Well, a will, for lack of a better word, is an instruction sheet. This is what you do with a dead person's stuff. And that's literally all that it does. Whereas the trust operates during your lifetime, during incapacity, distribution upon your demise, and, of course, avoiding the probate proceeding. Wills do not avoid probate. There are three factors that trigger a probate proceeding. Death, ownership of the asset, and that asset is over a very low statutory minimum. Well, a will only works when you die, and it can only control the assets that you owned at your death. So if we get over that very limited, very low uh, statutory limit, a will becomes actually a probate guarantee. All right. No, these are real important things. The last one I want to talk about, then we're going to go to something else, is conservatorships. You know, everyone knows that because of Britney Spears. She had a conservatorship. Briefly, what is a conservatorship? A conservatorship takes place when we have an adult who is incapable of making either financial and property decisions for themselves or unable to make life type of decisions. So there's two types of conservator. There's a conservator of the person and a conservator of the estate. So in the Britney Spears, um, she had both conservators, but the one that was essentially in the press was conservator of her estate, where her father was controlling her assets. The majority of instances will actually involve conservator of the person. And this is going to come in really three different elements. Uh, we have a child, perhaps, that's born on the spectrum. They have now become 18. We need to put the parents in place or keep the parents in their traditional role, but with legal uh, uh, justification. 
we have a person that may have uh, psychosis or uh, perhaps uh, due to drugs or bipolar, they have to have a conservatorship. And then, of course, uh, as people perhaps become senile, develop dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, those persons might need to have a person to stand in their shoes in a legal capacity. Yeah. So this is real important for everybody to understand. Trust is a way to protect not only your assets, but you and your family. It's a great way to do it. Just one point, uh, when you do set up a trust for the first time, it's called a living trust. It is a disregarded entity for tax purposes. I get that all the time. Hey, I, do I have to file a trust return? No, you don't have to file a trust return as long as the one of the husband or wife or both are still alive. Then there's a whole bunch of rules after the last to die. We're not going to get into that because otherwise we'll be here for hours. And you know, obviously, uh, I when I got my master's in tax, I spent a lot of time with uh, you know estate planning. I love this stuff. So David and I could sit here for hours talking about this, and I'm sure all of you don't want to go much longer. But so I want to change. Too. Yes, we'll do. We'll follow. We'll do a follow-up podcast. <laughs> but what I want to talk now, I want to go back to you. I understand uh, one of your hobbies is poker. Yes, I. Uh, that's been a longtime hobby of mine. And um, a, a funny side to that is that when I play, if I was to you know go into town and go pick up a game on Friday night, very often at my table I'll find two, sometimes three lawyers playing. It is a, a kind of an outshoot of a lot of the training and competition that we go through in school that uh, very seldom am I the only lawyer at the table. Interesting. So what kind of poker do you like? How good are you? How often do you win? <laughs> well, I can play all the games um, every you know from stud through Omaha, but my usual game is uh, No Limit Texas Hold'em. So um, I'm going to be playing that where there's no cap on the betting, and you can win as much as you have in front of you as well as lose as much as you have in front of you at any given moment. I predominantly play cash games, meaning I'm simply there to take Gary's money. But, uh, By the way, that's no challenge. I lose every time. <laughs> well, you know, there's always beginner's luck. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually during the summer, I will take a couple weeks off and play a series of tournaments out in Las Vegas at the World Series of Poker. So I've been doing that for yeah, the last I was just going to ask you about the World Series of Poker. So you do that. Yes, I, I do that. I go out there with the masses and do the, the big crunch. Um, I had an abbreviated stay there this year. Some family things brought me back into town. But uh, last year I had some pretty deep runs that I was fairly proud of. I finished uh, 38th out of a field of 3,668 in the Super Seniors. I qualify now for the Super super Seniors. seniors. Yeah, so that was a a great time. That was um, three long, grueling days of playing the same tournament. I see. So do you ever do trials in court? No, I am not a litigator. Um, The only court time that I spend is in traditional probate matters, and I also handle conservatorships. I handle what's called limited conservatorships. That's those uh, ch- children that have now become adult age who are on the spectrum. But uh, in uh, probate court, I handle uh, traditional mm-hmm. uh, probate petitions. Though something tells me some of those skills you use for poker, you're using with your clients in probate and in, in, in anything to do with estate planning because sometimes it can be very difficult 
to explain to people that there is a whole bunch of rules that you need to follow once you die. Uh, one other thing about trust that's real important, uh, if you have a bank account and the, the decedent, that's the person who died, the decedent is the only person on that bank account. You go into Bank America and say, hey, you know, I'm in charge of this estate now. Guess what? They're going to say, bring me some legal papers. And off to probate you go. So it's real important. This is a trust can avoid that and a lot of things like that. So it's really, really important that you pay attention. If you, if you have an, uh, Even if you don't have a lot of money, a trust is still something you should consider, if you have, especially if you have a family. Right, David? Well, yeah, the statutory limit that triggers a probate proceeding is exceptionally low in this state. $61,500 if you own real estate, $184,500 for all other property. Gross, not net. Find me a piece of real estate in this state of California that's valued less than $61,500. can not be done. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody comes to me and they say, well, I just have my home. It's, it's you know, half a million dollars. It's paid off, and I don't really have anything else. You have a potential probate problem. Right. This becomes a Big, bigger deal with because it includes taxes. It can affect how you do things. If uh, you're if you're the decedent, the last to die is in the middle of the year. Now you've got a part your tax return and a trust return. And we're going to come back to all this another time. I want to have you back. We'll continue this discussion because I think for our listeners, it's real important they understand this. And it's very confusing. It's like Social Security. It, it has a lot of rules and nobody understands it. But I think it's real important for our listeners to learn you know, why they should have a trust, what it means, what you know, all the things we started to talk about. So I'm going to have you back again. Hopefully you'll come back. Hopefully I would you had a love good time. to do so. Yeah. Excellent. Well then, intrepid listeners, that's all the time we have for today. I would like to thank my guest, David R. Schneider, uh, with DRS Law. That's not Doctor's Law. Those are his initials. Pay attention. Please join us for future podcasts right here. Same bat time, same bat channel. I'm your host, Gary Weiss. I look forward to spending time with you on our next podcast, which could be David. Y'all come back now. You hear? <laughs> Presented by the Echelon Radio Network and Echelon Business Development. More than just networking. Way more.